welcome to another edition of the IDCA to Infinity Paradigm and Beyond podcast, where we bring in the most recognized faces and thought leaders of the technology industry and have candid discussions on topics pertaining to digital transformation, cloud, data centers, leadership, and IT resources, among other things. This time, I'm joined by a longtime friend and um, industry leader, uh, Jonathan Fellman, CIO for the ages and <laughs> for the city of Asheville. Introduced as CIO for the ages. I, I hope that's not <laughs> revealing my, uh, my ancient... Uh... <laughs> no, I'm probably older than you are, so I wouldn't, I wouldn't worry go. about that. I wouldn't worry about that. Yeah, no. Um, Jonathan, uh, give us a couple of minutes. You know, tell us a little bit about uh, who Jonathan is and what you're working on these days. I work for the city of Asheville, North Carolina, and my role is on the management team more than it is on the IT team. And that's important because it means I work for the community. I don't work for the data center union. Um, so what we're working on nowadays uh, is a combination of supporting the community and the organization's goals. But of course, we're also working on what you would think of as typical tech stuff, right? We're always looking at improving backups. We're always looking at security, uh, really the table stakes. But um, what I find most exciting about my job is that every day we get to have an impact on the community that we serve. Yeah, that's fantastic. And I mean, you know, I, uh, you and I have been talking off and on um, in both in person and, and sharing time on stage at events and and certainly sharing ideas back and forth via Twitter, among other things, um, even on LinkedIn occasionally. And I've always been um, extremely appreciative of the, not only the view you have from an IT leadership perspective, but also um, the fact that you've managed to be what most people would argue is very successful in an environment that, uh, again, most people would argue uh, can be very difficult for um, roles where change is not only uh, happening, but it's in fact part and parcel with being able to be successful in delivering appropriate services and, and preparing the, the entity you're supporting um, for the future. Well, thanks, and so uh, I just want to, yeah, I, I just wanted to open up with that and say that, uh, you. you know, I think that's outstanding. And um, uh, I would say that for anybody who's paying attention to this show, if you're not following, um, Jonathan already or reading his um, his blogs, et cetera, uh, I would highly well, thanks, recommend Mark. it. All right. So, Jonathan, let's just jump in and, and start talking about um, uh, leadership in general and, and some of the other things that are driving um, uh, IT priorities today. And so, you know, to me, it seems like leadership almost never gets the due it deserves. And, and it just seems especially true in IT, not not just generic leadership, but specifically in IT. Um, and in this time of, you know, major business, you can call it digital transformation if you like, I prefer business transformation, and the confluence of so many potentially impactful technology trends, I mean, pick a few, AI, AR, VR, uh, big data, edge computing, um, uh, you know, greater search for customer intimacy and customer connection and experience, et cetera, et cetera. I started my uh, career in large corporate, and... Um, yep. You know, one of my observations is that a sufficiently large corporation is indistinguishable from government in terms of bureaucracy, um, right? I mean, but there's also, of course, the whole 
you know, it's Taylor true. work factory thing, an industrial revolution. Let's treat people like cogs instead of uh, people. Um, and, you know, without without jumping deeply into that, I, I think one of the reasons why specifically to IT leadership is undervalued is, number one, executives think about IT in the wrong way. They think of IT as some kind of techie business um, that, that doesn't require leadership, right? It's just this bunch of ones and zeros and the people with the technical skills can come in and make magic. And of course, as you and I know, those people can make magic, but they can make a nightmare, right? And it, and it all depends upon the people. So I have long said, Absolutely. IT is a people business, not a technology business. And I think many executives don't understand that. Um, and I think if they started thinking of it as more of a service business and not just a bunch of technologies, I think we'd all be a lot better off. And that would cause them, right, as a service business to prioritize leadership. Um, I, I also think that there are a number of top executives, and I say this softly, right, who just don't think understanding today's technology mm-hmm. is important. And that's crazy. Right. Because if somebody came in and said, I don't do finance, would you make them your chief executive officer? And yet technology is this gigantic part of how we're transforming business and staying close to the customer and delighting customers. And in my business, keeping people safer, Uh, you know, and so why wouldn't top executives value understanding enough about technology and being comfortable with technology? I think the good news is that with uh, with younger folks now entering the workplace, you know, the so-called digital natives, we're not far off from a time where every executive is yep. going to be at least savvy enough to say, well, yeah, I keep all my, you know, all of my personal files on in the cloud. Why wouldn't I do that, you know, at business? So I, I think those are the two things, right? A, they right, don't understand right. that technology business is, is a service business. And number two, I think there's a little bit of non-understanding and maybe even fear of getting too close to IT. Yeah, yeah. Well, and I, so first, and uh, again, you know, this is, this is part of both the problem and the positive, is that I agree with everything you just said. And I would add a, a comparison in there relative to understanding of technology you know, you think back to the days of Henry Ford and the first real production line for cars. And I'm guessing that Henry Ford didn't know, didn't need to know how long the belts were or which belts work best or, right. or ha- at what distance people should stand on the manufacturing line in order to make them most successful. But I would, I would be willing to bet a paycheck that he at least understood fairly well the importance and capability and opportunity. Absolutely of providing a modern manufacturing line for his business. No, I agree. I agree. And I, and I don't, and I don't see that as any different from what we're talking about. Right. And you mentioned, um, you know, as, as far as uh, the leadership and the tech folks, uh, you know, I, I think uh, I would ask you one more question about that and say, you know, how much, how much do you think the, the, the problem is with the hiring oh, man. versus yeah. the hiree? You read the little prince, right? And so in that story, the king yep. um, is talking about 
if I commanded you to turn into, I think, a bird and fly away, whose fault is it? My fault or yours? If you can't fulfill the command. And so that's a great way of illustrating that it's all about the hiring. And I think most executives, because they don't understand that IT is absolutely a service business and therefore needs real leadership above, I I say this softly, above technical skills, they go out and they hire the most technical person they possibly can, which is fine. But then they, because I'm pretty technical, right? And you're pretty technical, but then they completely skimp on the soft skills and they think that's okay. Well, guess what? Now you're asking somebody with no leadership skills to be a leader. Whose fault is it? No, it's absolutely true. And, and, and I've, I've, um, I've railed on this subject for a long time, but I think it, it uh, especially today, um, if CIOs are going to be successful um, moving into the future that you know, many of us talk about that is likely to be the future of business, um, which right. includes IT. I, there is no IT and then business. You know, what does the future of business look like and what is IT's contribution in that, in that system of, of operating together? Um, there, there can be no doubt that the leader of IT yes. uh, needs to understand technology, certainly. All right, so I, w- I want to seed this question uh, about leadership with one thing, and that's um, how, how important is it for the CIO or any leader in IT to recognize that when the going is the hardest, whether the business has slowed down, whether somebody's had a group's had to be laid off, whether um, there are challenges in meeting production and service um, capabilities, that that's when the leader needs to be more visible rather than less. So that's just the only one I want to seed with and let you take it from there. I absolutely uh, agree with that, Mark. Um, And I'll go a step further. I think a leader has to seek out the hard stuff. And I'll give you an example. you know, the, the, the easy example is when an employee is not performing well and you decide that you're going to just step back and not correct it and not have a conversation and not and, and be conflict avoidant. It, it's like avoiding, um, you know, it's like avoiding anything. Right. Yeah. If you decide that you're just going to close your eyes and, and that little tumor that they've uh, discovered in you is going to go away and you're not going to do anything about it. Well, you're not going to have a great outcome. And the same is true for employee feedback. Um, I also think that there are times when the organization needs to hear directly from the CIO and not, for example, from the help desk, right? When we've had major issues, um, you know, when it's been possible, I've jumped in and mailed and emailed the organization directly saying we screwed up. We're going to make it better. We're just so sorry for the trouble. And we are absolutely, you know, we're with you. We think this is terrible and, and we're going to make it better and we're going to learn from this and get better. And we care about you and we care about you more than we care about a bunch of servers blinking in a closet. Right. And I think people need to hear that. And similarly, uh, you talked about layoffs, you talked about hard times. Um, You know, that's not something that your 
your IT services staff can hear from anybody but the CIO, right? You've got to be able to talk about it. You've got to be able to say, um, you know, I'm worried about this too. Uh, yep. You, you know, all that stuff. You've got to be real with folks. You got to say, I don't know. I really don't know what's going to happen next when right. you don't right. and not just try to BS through it. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and so, yes, I absolutely agree with you. And those are some of the ways that I agree with you. Yeah. And so, you know, thinking about that, I, I'd like to kind of harp on that point a little bit. Um, sure. Just because I think it is so important for the modern leader. And, I, you know, I don't think it necessarily only applies to um, someone in an IT role uh, as a leadership role, but um uh, I think, you know, maybe because of some of the hiring problems that we talked about at the top of the podcast, um, that it's more likely to occur in a role that is sort of engineering focused rather than people focused to begin with. Mm. And, you know, this this notion that um, and it's not not so much a notion as it is a, uh, um, a behavior in in that when when you don't have things to smile about right. outside, you're more likely to tr attempt to find solace behind your PC or laptop or whatever it is, right? And right. Um, it is those times. Hey, we've all done it. It's yes. soothing behavior. Absolutely. It's stuff you can control. That's right. That's right. <laughs> right. Oh, I can answer an email. I can, right. um, you know, I can attend that Write meeting. Write a shell script. That's right. right. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> Um, yes. and, and what was really needed was to walk around and sit on a few people's desks and just see how they're feeling and see yeah. how, how they're adapting to the change or whatever it is that's going on. And, and unfortunately, I think that's a behavior that um, uh, many of us uh, could improve. I agree with you, Mark. And I, I think it once again goes back to the wrong framing of what is IT. Yeah. My department is called IT services. You mentioned earlier, you know, what was your mandate when you came to the city of Asheville? And it, it was absolutely about service. Customer service was in the toilet. That was mandate number one and make IT strategic. Um, and I think when, when, when you have a bunch of folks who call themselves information technology, words are powerful. Yep. The first thing we did when I got here was start to call it IT services yeah. because we are a service organization first, foremost, and always. So it's that framing of IT as this technical discipline that makes people say, well, as long as I'm writing or I'm debugging a, you know, a module, I'm doing the right thing. Or as long right. as I'm doing something technical, I'm doing what I'm supposed to do because we don't, we don't have to have hard conversations. We don't have to worry about feelings. This is about technology, for God's sake. That's right. And of course, right. it isn't at all, because the people are the, are, are the ones writing the shell scripts and writing the modules and debugging stuff. And oh, by the way, deciding to take customers into account when scheduling downtime. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? Yeah, absolutely. So, <laughs> Yeah, I mean, so of course, it, I, so I just think it's a framing error, as as we used to say in the day when there were multiple kinds of Ethernet. Oh, I'm dating myself. So. <laughs> Been there. Been there. Yeah, right? Yep. <laughs> yep. Even before Ethernet, unfortunately. Yeah, right. Yeah, um, indeed. Yeah. So, you know, uh, in, in taking taking your leadership now to um, 
thoughts of, you know, strategic change or certainly, um, uh, you know, major service enablement or however you want to um, package it. What are, what are some of the things that um, you and the team are working on uh, with Asheville right now that you think are potentially the most impactful to whatever it is, whether it's providing better customer services, whether it's um, enabling the team to be, uh, to spend more time on innovation or, you know, you pick. So our strategic goals for the next three years are, and, and this is going to sound all wonkish, but to build analytics and metrics capabilities for the city to work very significantly on, on what we call digital inclusion, which uh, boils down to let's make sure that vulnerable populations are able to benefit from digital services in the same way that non-vulnerable populations um, can. And in many cases, that means people of color, that means uh, folks who speak a different language and that kind of thing. Right. right. Um, third goal is fully transition to zero data center. Um, we had started with a goal that was more about modernization, uh, but I think that was an error because it gave people the wrong impression that, you know, well, if we modernize and it's here on premises, we must be doing the right thing, even if it has the usability of a 1965 COBOL application, right? Right, right. Um, you know, we're working to strengthen digital governance. And uh, of course, every CIO has this on their strategy. Uh, we, we're looking to make significant security improvements as number five. So, I mean, that's, you know, broadly, strategically, that's what we're working on. Yep. Um, you know, what that translates to uh, in, in real life is um, er everything from, uh, and this is, this is an awesome story, so I'll tell it. Mm -hmm. uh, one of our folks who is our principal cloud engineer um, came from the app dev team, at, right? And now she's on the infrastructure team. And she's working on a project to transcribe um, in real time uh, all of our council meetings and committee meetings uh, into both Russian and Spanish. And those are two populations here in Asheville that right now there's nothing. They don't yeah. have any uh, ability to uh, listen to those council meetings and see them in their, in, in their own language. Right. And this is hugely important when you're trying to include everybody in a community. We could not do that, Mark, if we were trying to like hammer together servers and say, oh, well, now let's write some code and do artificial intelligence and right, we'll write our right. own, you know, no. Instead, yeah, we yeah. use a major cloud provider and we fire up the service and we, you know, and we, and we write as little code as possible. Because why? Why, why do we have to do that? We yeah. want to be, as I said earlier, more servicing the community than we want to be wrenching on servers. Right, right. No, so just a yeah. quick example. Right? Yeah, and that's, and that's fantastic. And, you know, when, you, when, you're, when you're looking at analytics and stuff, um, this is a curiosity question for myself as much as anything else, but when you're doing work with analytics and you're thinking about getting out of the data centers and you're also trying to combine that with, obviously, um, making a better connection to your customers, are, are there any things that you're looking at specifically that might involve what uh, some of us would call edge computing for uh, the city of Asheville? It's interesting, Mark. I mean, we're, 
we're a 43 square mile area, yep. right? So most of what we're doing here um, is pretty local to, to where we are. Now, yep. what I will say is, uh, and, and we don't have a whiteboard here, but my mental model and, and that of my top staff and leadership team is that we are no longer going to have a quote unquote core. Okay. Does that make sense? Right. Yeah. So yeah. it used to be because we are very blessed. We have fiber optic through a wonderful partner here in the community. Uh, and we connect all of our public sta uh, public safety stations uh, with very high speed fiber optic. We improved response time and all that kind of good stuff. Nice. And right. And, yep. and so we don't have a huge problem with connectivity and, and yet, and yet we rely on our core, so to speak, to bring everything together. And right, right. where my mental model is going is actually we should not be doing that. We should be saying, okay, well, you know, we understand that because we're little Asheville and we, we really don't have, I don't have, you know, three generators powering my core. I don't have, uh, I mean, I have multiple UPSs and all that kind of stuff, but if there's a significant power outage, we're in trouble. Yeah. yeah. Um, and, and if, you know, one of the generators doesn't function, we're in trouble. Contrast that with a real data center where it's not N plus one, it's N plus many. Right. In terms of redundancy. Right. Yep. Yep. Um, so that's where I want to get is, is not having uh, city hall as the core also known as single point of failure. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's huge. So that's, yeah. So I, I, I want to decore it, which if, if that's edge, <laughs> okay. <laughs> Coring the apple. Yep. Yep. Coring the apple. Exactly. That's perfect. That's great. Um, so, you know, I think as we're getting uh, towards the end of the um, podcast, I think we'd be remiss if we didn't talk a little bit about um, uh, uh, and more directly about the people aspect of IT. And, sure. you know, we've talked about the leadership standpoint and, and, and being a leader of people and, and thinking about uh, uh, your problems and opportunities from a people perspective and a service perspective. Um, you know, tell me a little bit about what what you see as either opportunity or risk or, um, you know, just even practice uh, around acquiring and keeping good talent uh, uh, as, as it, you know, the bottom line, well, I shouldn't say bottom line, my perspective is that it's only becoming more important and, um, and getting harder uh, as we go forward. Agree. Agree. And I, you know, at my staff meeting the other day, and I don't always, uh, you know, speak at our staff meeting or, mm -hmm. or speak very much because we have staff members come and present, you know, what are you working on? And that, that's a way of, of uh, keeping us all on the same page. Right. And this woman said something very important, um, which was, and one benefit of what we're doing here is that folks get to update their skills and be, um, you know, really a, um, attractive in the job market and, and all that kind of stuff. Right. And I yep. think that, too few leaders look at that. Now, I've, I've heard someone at a conference disparage moving to new technology as a resume-based architecture. Mm -hmm. And I think if you take it too far, that's what it becomes. Sure. But 
if you have a if you have a well thought out plan in terms of here is how this new technology is going to save our time, it's going to enable us to be more effective, it's going to enable us to drive more value, then why would you not do that? And as a side benefit, oh yes, your staff can skill up because as it turns out, we want consenting people to stay here, yep. not people who feel like prisoners because as it turns out, prisoners render horrible customer service and you yep. don't actually want that right. for anybody, exactly. right? Yep. Yep. So I, I think it's so important to recognize, especially in the hot IT job market, that what we have here are volunteers. We're so happy that you're here to do this job. Yep. That doesn't mean there's no accountability because without accountability, uh, you know, it turns into a country club and, and bad things happen, right? Yep, yep. Um, you know, morale goes down, blah, 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 blah. But what it does mean is we understand that the road, you know, the street goes two ways. Yep. If we exactly. provide flexibility, we want to get flexibility out of our, or if we ask for flexibility out of our employees, we know that we're going to have to grant flexibility in return and, and that kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And so, you know, when you, when you think about that, um, this is something that I've thought for a long time and, and feel free to, to disparage it. Um, but <laughs> I, I, you know, I, I kind of see the notion of um, how to treat an employee and how to maintain a good uh, team effectively uh, and, and, um, and a sustainable environment relative to uh, the people that, you know, make your company go for lack of a better description or make your organization go is, um, is that is is that comparison to that old um, uh, sales quote, which is you know, and I don't remember the exact numbers, but it's like ten to one ratio, of you know, you if, if you had a hundred dollars to spend um, uh, on uh, customer retention, uh, it co you know it costs you about uh, uh, ten dollars to keep an existing customer, and it'll cost you the other ninety to get one back that you lost. That's right. And, and I know right. I'm paraphrasing, but it's, you know, something to that. And I, and I would argue that how we um, deal with employees, um, uh, uh, how we create team dynamics, uh, how we we foster, you know, opportunities for growth, how we provide transparency and all that is um, is a big part of effectively providing customer service to your own team. Does that make sense? Totally. I, you know, I, I call it uh, employee lifetime value. You're familiar with customer lifetime value, yep. right? <laughs> yep. Yep. Yeah. You know, turnover is terrible. I mean, I think a certain amount of turnover is can be good. Yep. I think when, you know, when there is the appropriate accountability and someone ends up leaving, uh, I think that is in its best form good for morale, right? right. Because right. when someone is not Look, when someone is not knocking it out of the park and, and you torture them and you and you're horrible to them and, and treat them badly, um, that makes everybody else go, oh, crap, I might be next. Yep. Right. Yep. But when someone who is clearly doesn't have their eye on the ball, uh, is not engaged in the work, does minimal effort can't follow directions, doesn't work well with others and hates customers, ends up leaving the organization. Right. Everyone else goes, thank God. Yeah. Right. Yeah, absolutely. So, absolutely. you know, it's, it's, 
obviously a dynamic. Yeah. Yeah. That's uh, all very true. And I've uh, seen it enough times, Uh, you know, whether it's um, someone who's just underperforming or someone who's become a cancer for other reasons, like, um, you know, spreading gossip or, or disparaging other people because they're unhappy in the workplace or whatever the, the uh, uh, lift, the, the relaxation of shoulders for lack of a better description that occurs when, when that kind of um, problem is removed is, is um, visible, easily visible. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. You know, so I I just think, yeah, yeah. No, go ahead. Go ahead. I was just going to say that, that I think you're absolutely right that, you know, just like customers, employees, are so much harder to get than to, uh, than to retain. To, to develop and, and it's so keep, easy. Yeah. yeah, it's so, it is not that hard, yeah. right? Yeah. So. No, I mean, it's, it's funny, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll end this part of the, the talk with a, with a, a simple message and, and uh, I'll admit that it's part of my normal behavior. So it's not like I'm working when I do this. It's just who I am. Right. Um, but I, you know, I'd been, I was always known as the, more than, uh, um, uh, on a, uh, odd occasion stopping by and sitting down on someone's desk or certainly sitting down next to their desk and just shooting the crap for 15 or 20 minutes, uh, for no particular reason with no particular agenda. Um, and in many cases, especially when it was deserved at all, um, giving the equivalent of a quick pat on the back and just saying something like, Jonathan, I don't know if I've told you recently, but I am sure glad you work here. Absolutely. And, you know, and it's one of those things where, again, it's not hard for me because I don't assume that because someone's being paid that they become my slave and that I can just, uh, you know, mistreat That's and right. abuse them and, and everything's good. Um, I don't assume that, um, you know, somebody uh, putting in extra effort is just normal if they want to keep their job. Um, and I do appreciate when people contribute well to the organization. And, and so, again, for me, that's just an easy one. And so, but I, I, I felt that during, um, you know, my leadership opportunities to provide that kind of, uh, you know, just-in-time uh, feedback across the organization, that it was almost always very well received. And, um, it's, again, it's just as you well know, so often it's just the little things, you know, you don't have to, you don't have to fricking climb count, um, uh, Kilimanjaro and take a picture of yourself, uh, in order for somebody to decide that they like working with you. Um, it's just the little stuff. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, where, as we wrap up, Jonathan, from the conversation we just had, if you were, you know, pushing this message out to a, to a would be leader in it or, um, even a business leader uh, who's got to think about the right way to work with the IT function, uh, you know, what two or three bits of advice would you offer as we close up? The biggest bit of advice that I would give, Mark, is that if you are not receiving any critical feedback as the boss, as the CIO, as the division leader or whatever, it's probably not because you're perfect. <laughs> it, it, it usually means that you are somehow discouraging critical feedback. Right. And you need to address that urgently. Yep. Totally agree. Um, because when folks feel like they cannot criticize you, it means they think you're the dictator. Yeah. And, yeah. and 
I wouldn't stick around for that. And I'm sure you wouldn't either. No, not at all. Not at all. No, that's a, that's a great point. Well, Jonathan, um, uh, thank you very much. Uh, uh, I really appreciate this uh, a chance to chat. Um, and uh, I look forward to the next time we get a chance to uh, see each other face to face. And um, appreciate your time today uh, on the phone with me. Uh, thank you very much. Thank you, Mark. Always a pleasure. Thanks. And folks, um, thank you very much for listening. Uh, I hope you enjoyed the conversation between Jonathan and I. Um, uh, Jonathan, uh, for folks that would like to follow you, what are the best places to look for you from a, from a blog or Twitter or, or you know, LinkedIn or something like that perspective? So I just can't shut up on Twitter. So uh, if you want, if you want the most um, out of me, I think that's the place to go. I'm at uh, underbar J Feldman, which also reveals how old I am. Yep. Yep. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> um, and, and I'm always happy to meet folks on uh, on LinkedIn as well. I also uh, at Feldman.org. I have a mailing list where uh, if you want to hear about my next project, please go ahead and sign up. Uh, something I hope in the next three to six months is going to materialize. And awesome. I'll leave it at that. Yeah. Awesome. All right. Well, folks, um, that's a, a wrap up for another episode of the To Infinity and Beyond uh, Paradigm uh, podcast. Thank you again for joining us. And if you'd like to recommend someone for a future episode, uh, please email me at podcast at idc-a.org. And until next time, I'm Mark Teeley, and you can find me on Twitter at M-T-H-I-E-L-E-1-0, M-T-E-L-E-1-0, 10 And I'm also a, a very active on LinkedIn, regularly posting questions and the occasional blog du jour. Um, thank you very much, and uh, until next time.